everyone, and welcome to National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And we would like to issue an additional welcome today because this is the final episode of season three of our show. And that, I think, is really exciting and deserves its own special welcome. Well, thank you for providing that for our listeners, Aubrey. (laughs) I'm really excited about this. First of all, I don't know about you, but once we got through two movies in two seasons, did you think we would get through a whole third season about a third movie that doesn't exist yet? Definitely not. I mean, hopefully that's still to come. But anyway, thank you everyone for sticking with us through season three. We have a really exciting finale episode for you today. And before we get to that, we of course have to start by issuing our customary screams from Parkington Lane. Now, somehow, if you've missed this in the past, we like to start each of our episodes with a little bit of an acknowledgement of how National Treasure has taken over our entire lives. We are deep into the pit of National Treasure, and that pit is Parkington Lane. Emily, do you have a scream to share with our listeners this week? I do. So much like you, I actually had a dream. It's happened. It's happening. So I have to say that's probably the most exciting part of the dream. There wasn't a lot that happened in it. You know how like you forget dreams like right when you wake up. So like the only part I remember of the dream is that Riley was there. And he said, who wants to go down the dark, creepy tunnel first? And I was in front of a tunnel, but I have no idea what happened before or after that. So I have no context for the situation. (laughs) I just know that I had a dream and Riley said this. Oh my gosh. That's awesome though, because it actually has one of the characters and one of the characters that we like. Yeah, it wasn't Sadusky. Or I remember I recently shared a dream about Mitch. Mm. Um, How about you, Aubrey? Yeah, I hear your dream scream, and I'm going to raise you my own dream scream. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so I had a dream recently that I was on, like, a backlot tour in Hollywood, or you know how you can go and visit, like, sets or set pieces on these backlot tours which yeah. I've always wanted to do by the way um and there were just like national treasure set pieces everywhere and it was really bizarre because all I remember these set pieces weren't like little props like the car that was used in the car chase or anything like that it was like full buildings like there was a oh. national archives building and there was like a library of congress building which is all very bizarre because we know that they actually filmed you know, the exteriors at least. Right. Those locations. Um, But then I got to thinking, and this is going to come up, I think later on in this episode, that there are so many pieces of this movie that had to have been constructed or put together. And I just want to know, where are those set pieces now? (laughs) And why don't we have a national treasure ride at Disney? This is my periodic reissuance of this demand. What would a National Treasure Ride at Disney look like? 
probably just like any Indiana Jones or Pirates of the Caribbean or Jungle Cruise ride for that matter. (laughs) With set pieces slash also some adventure, you're probably running away from the villain. You are exploring the clues. Um, You are coming across Cibola at the end. That would be pretty phenomenal. Oh my gosh, actually, and this is just coming to me now. You know how like the Harry Potter rides are this weird combination of virtual reality and like a physical ride? Mm -hmm. I could totally see them doing that with Cibola where it's like partially there and partially like moving around you. I can see it. Make it happen. Let's make it happen. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So if you have any thoughts about what your national treasure ride would look like or any dreams that you want to share with us, please check us out on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. And you can find us for your listening ears on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and the app Good Pods. Uh, and then while you're at it, go ahead and try to rep National Treasure Hunt. Go and check out our merch store, which is in the link tree in our bio. And go ahead and get some shirts, notebooks, and anything else you might want with the National Treasure Hunt logo and some fun sayings from National Treasure on it. I don't know about you, but I think they make some fun holiday gifts. Uh-huh. Great idea. <laughs> Anyway, with all of those little logistical points out of the way, it is time for us to introduce this very special episode. Now, in case you like haven't read the show notes when you clicked play on this episode today, today's episode is a very special interview all about Independence Hall, the Liberty Bell, and the Independence National Historical Park where they're found. And of course, we will be talking all about the filming of the first National Treasure Films scene that happened and is portrayed at Independence Hall. This is going to be fun. This is going to be great. And, you know, Aubrey, I think what I'm going to do for our listeners here is I'm going to maybe spare them the pain of me trying to recap the scene at Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell, because I have to say, I forgot there was a scene at the Liberty Bell, um, <laughs> which doesn't bode well for my ability to uh, recap this scene accurately and in a timely fashion. <laughs> so why don't you take it away and uh, provide that for our listeners? I am more than happy to. So just so we're all on the same page, the scene in question, in case you've forgotten, like Emily, happens right after our protagonists were at Urban Outfitters in Philadelphia, and they examined the back of a $100 bill with a water bottle as their magnifying glass, of course, Mm -hmm. and they discover that the timely shadow in their previous clue references where the bell tower of Independence Hall, where its shadow touches onto some surface. It'll end up being a side of the building. 
and point out the exact brick that they need to extract from the building to find whatever the next clue is inside, which of course will end up being the ocular device. So we see Ben, Abigail, and Riley make their way to Independence Hall. They climb up into the bell tower. No clue why that was relevant because you can see a shadow from the ground. And- <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have been the right angle. It's true. And then after acquiring the ocular device from the brick, which necessitates Ben Gates going onto the roof, more of that later, they go back into the assembly room of Independence Hall to examine the back of the Declaration of Independence with the ocular device to see the true map. Now, where Liberty Bell Center comes into play here, Emily, for your reference, is of course the fact that Ian Howe, our villain, is always a couple of steps behind. When he learns that there's some relevance to the Liberty Bell in this previous clue, he thinks that means he has to go to the Liberty Bell, which is currently housed in a modern structure that definitely couldn't have existed back when these clues were written. (laughs) So he attends a tour of Liberty Bell Center where he realizes his mistake. Mm. That's the scene. Thank you, Aubrey. That was that was beautifully done. And I mean, I feel like I just watched the movie again myself. I thank you. It is it is a skill. In any case, with that context, we are pleased to introduce you all today to our guest, Bill Coughlin, who is a park ranger interpretive specialist at Independence National Historical Park. And we're going to let him introduce himself to you when we start our conversation. But for now, just know that Bill was working at Independence National Historical Park at the time of National Treasures filming. And so were a lot of his colleagues. So between his perspective and thoughts and the thoughts that he brings with him to this interview from those colleagues, we have a lot to learn both about history and about National Treasure. You excited, Em? I am pumped. And guys, speaking of excitement, let's get you excited for what you're going to get from this episode. Guys, in this episode, you're going to learn that a famous family loves National Treasure. I wonder who that could be. You're going to learn about how a park ranger influenced some background dialogue in the movie. And you are going to learn which parts of the Independence Hall scene were actually filmed at Independence Hall, or in some cases, on Independence Hall. Spoiler alert! Ah! Yes. Okay, well, with that, we hope you're as excited as we are. And without further ado, we hope you enjoy this conversation with Bill Coughlin. Well, Bill, we are absolutely thrilled to have you join us today on National Treasure Hunt. And we always like to start these interviews by helping our audience get to know you a little bit. So hopefully you can start us off by introducing yourself, your background, and what your role is at Independence National Historical Park. Uh, Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, Yeah, I'm Bill Coughlin, and I am a um, a park ranger uh, interpretive specialist at Independence. National Historical Park. Um, I've been with the Park Service for a long time now, (laughs) Uh, since 1995. I've worked at Independence, though, for the last 21 years. And um, uh, I have a a background in history, which is 
why I chose the profession I'm in. So, yeah. That's really cool. And if I could follow up really quickly, um, I know you mentioned before we actually started recording here today that people are probably more familiar with the role of a park ranger. Um, maybe you could tell us really quickly as well what the interpretive specialist component of that title means. Sure. Um, so uh, most people are familiar with the park ranger. They do uh, sort of the face-to-face, -face, what we call personal interpretation uh, of a site. Um, what uh, me and my colleagues, I work a, on a team of three, uh, we are in charge of, of what we call um, uh, non-personal interpretation. Uh, so that would be anything that has to do with exhibits, maintaining those, maintaining the we website, developing exhibits, uh, movies. Uh, I've been involved on a number of film projects myself. Um, the uh, mobile app. Um, and the, yeah, the, let's go brochures. So anything that's not a face-to-face -face sort of thing. So that's what our office takes care of. Awesome. Um, you mentioned that you are have a background in history, which I think is awesome. Given the background in history that you have, would you be able to give us a brief history of Independence Hall, uh, especially as it relates to the founding fathers and documents themselves? Sure. Um, well, uh, Independence Hall is um, well, it's much older than the United States. Uh, it was originally known as the Pennsylvania State House. Uh, dates back to the 1730s. Um, and uh, uh, I, so it basically not built to give birth to a nation, <laughs> but built to, to serve as the Capitol building for Pennsylvania, uh, you know, back when it was still a colony. Um, and when Philadelphia was the capital of Pennsylvania. So um, I'd also like to tack on, because only because the tower itself features in the film, that, that bell tower is added later on. It's an add-on that dates to the 1750s. So 20 years after the main building was built. But uh, in, um, uh, yeah, then, so fast forward to the founding, 1775, the Second Continental Congress shows up in Philadelphia. Uh, they need a place to meet. Uh, and they were offered the use of the assembly room, the, the room where the Pennsylvania Assembly or legislature used to meet to make the laws uh, for Pennsylvania. So they're using that room. And so it's in that room that Richard Henry Lee of Virginia offers the resolution in June of 1776 uh, for independence. That's put forth. Uh, it's debated and passed uh, on July 2nd. And then uh, independence sort of uh, made official with the signing of the Declaration of Independence. At least that decision is made official with the signing uh, on August 2nd, 1776. That happened in the assembly room. Um, so it's also uh, the room where our first constitution uh, was debated and signed, the Articles of Confederation. Um, I'd say except for a few times that the Continental Congress had to evacuate Philadelphia, it's pretty much where they ran the war for independence uh, out of the assembly room. Um, and um, uh, that's up until 1783. When they leave, they end up in New York. Uh, but uh, 11 uh, years after declaring independence, though, um, or four years after winning independence, anyway, the building would be used again uh, for what, uh, what they would have called a grand federal convention also held in the assembly room. We call it the Constitutional Convention. 
Uh, and it's in that room where the United States Constitution uh, was uh, debated and signed. So uh, signed in there September 17, 1787. So uh, yeah, it maybe not built to give birth to a nation, but uh, definitely ended up being that, the birthplace of the United States. So. That's pretty incredible. I guess I had naively not realized or not remembered from my own history classes that it was so entrenched in every step of really the founding of this nation as an independent nation, um, which is really cool. And it must be amazing to work there tangentially. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, it's um, the, there are times where, yeah, you just kind of get blown away. Uh, the, yeah, here you are. You're in the room where it happened, right? Where <laughs> I don't know how. How very Hamilton, how very yes. Hamilton of you. <laughs> yeah, always we're in the rooms where it happened. And yeah, there are times where when it's a little slow and you're in maybe Congress Hall and you're reading a book uh, about the, the period and uh, you're like, oh man, I'm in the room <laughs> yeah. where this conversation took place, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's neat. I love that. I also, I love that you, you feel that way as well. And of course, we're going to get to the national treasure of it all in just a few, you know, minutes, but um, it sounds like you would be very good friends with Ben Gates, our main character in national treasure, because <laughs> he definitely has that same reverence. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that comes through. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay, so we know uh, you've told us a little bit more about some of these big moments in history um, that have really had Independence Hall as a backdrop. But one of the things we like to do also on this show is maybe pull back the curtain a little bit um, on lesser known historical moments, whether that be from our nation's founding or even before when you said it was more just for Pennsylvania itself. Um, so are there any lesser known historical moments that you can tell us about that took place either at Independence Hall or you know nearby? Yeah. Um... Uh, well, there's there's be plenty to share. The first thing pops into my head would be um, uh, the very first public reading of the Declaration of Independence occurred uh, behind Independence Hall uh, on uh, Independence Square that happened on July 8th, 1776. Uh, we reenact that every year. Um, actually, cool. it's the only reenactment we do in the park is uh, the reading of the Declaration every July 8th. So. Um, so folks, come on down, see that next time. Oh, we um, can absolutely encourage our listeners to do that. And, and Emily and I might show up now that we know it exists too. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good time. We have a good time because, um, yeah, the Rangers dress up and we have some who are playing loyalists who are jeering and some who are uh, patriots who are cheering. So yeah, it, get, it can get, it can be fun. Um, so yeah, that's one. Um, one of my favorite uh um, sort of lesser known things what a lot of people don't know Independence Hall for a, a time uh, served as a federal courthouse uh, in the 1830s up into the 50s uh, the second floor uh, there was a federal courtroom and the most uh, some of the most compelling uh, stories are when the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 was adjudicated in that building um, so uh, you know, a lot of us associate the, the building with uh, freedom and equality, but for some, it's the total opposite. It's very, um, lots of stories to tell surrounding. Um, um, there's uh, the, on July 4, 1876, um, 
is another uh, big story, uh, lesser known maybe is when an, uh, this is for the centennial, 1876, uh, an act of uh, civil disobedience was performed by the National Women's Suffrage Association. Uh, you know, they're working on getting the uh, vote for women. Uh, and there's a the centennial ceremony was taking place behind Independence Hall. And uh, uh, this group led by Susan B. Anthony, uh, they actually first had requested uh, that they be able to present their declaration of the rights of women um, of the United States uh, at the ceremony, but they were denied. So they just stormed the stage <laughs> and distributed copies of their declaration. Um, they did leave peacefully, but uh, afterwards they went around to the front and read their, their declaration aloud. Um, so that's cool. Um, and then um, so some of the very first demonstrations for gay civil rights. Uh, took place uh, right in front of Independence Hall uh, during July 4th ceremonies uh, in the mid 60s uh, to late mid to late 60s. Uh, so they're kind of following in the footsteps of those suffragists uh, and civil rights demonstrations. Those are going on too, um, but uh, you know they're they're uh, demanding their rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And uh, these. Uh, demonstrators actually they were taking great risks um, uh, not just of being ridiculed um, you know back then being out wasn't a thing really uh, right you could be arrested you could lose your job um, so very brave acts by those um, pioneers uh, in the in the gay civil rights movement so those are just a few uh, <laughs> there's a lot that goes on because a lot of people see Independence Hall uh, Liberty Bell uh, the fact that we're a nation that, that's founded on freedom, equality, um, you know, people like to use our site as a backdrop for their protests. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can totally see that. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned briefly there the, the Liberty Bell. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the history of the Liberty Bell itself kind of why it's important either you know physically or as a symbol to american history yeah um i love the history of the liberty bell i could go on for a while on this so it'd be might be hard to um keep this one short but i'll say that um it, it's mostly important as a symbol um so not so much for although but physically, what most people know about it is, oh, it's cracked. Yeah. Um, I always say to new rangers in, that, that are coming in that um, the, the main question that every single visitor has is, why am I standing here in front of a cracked bell? Yeah. Um, they, they, like I say, they know it's cracked, but um, it's got a, a long history. It was cast in 1753. Uh, at the same time, the bell tower it was made for the bell tower, and that was added on. Um, I would, uh, I can pretty safely say though that before 1828, uh, no one really recognized it as being anything other than the state house bell, um, which uh, was used to um, uh, mainly to tell people there's something to know, you know, um, or there's something going on. So it might ring. Uh, uh, there's this famous quote by Benjamin Franklin says that the bell rings 
I must go among the gray ones and talk politics. He, he's, he's a member of the Pennsylvania Assembly. So that bell ring and tells him he's got to get down to the, um, to the state house. Uh, it rings when, uh, you know, for the, the Stamp Act protests, it, it rings, um, uh, again, uh, uh, it, well, yeah, it probably rang in 1876, although there's some indication that maybe it didn't, but it, yeah, we'll just say it did. Um, but uh, it's 1828, it's the big year. Um, th that is the year that uh, a new steeple was put on the bell tower. So the, the steeple that you see with the clock faces dates from 1828. The original one didn't have any clock faces on it. And it was a little shorter. Um, and um, that, that uh, was in a, as they said in 1774, ruinous condition. They were suggesting not ringing the state house bell slash the Liberty bell. That's why it might not have rung in 76, but um, it, it yeah, there's, we don't have any, we just know that they, they were suggesting that they not ring it. But finally in 1781, they took that old steeple down um, and uh, the bell was placed in the brick, the top of the brick portion of the bell tower. If you look at the bell tower, it's a force, the first four stories are all in a brick uh, in, enclosure. And then it's the wooden steeple on top of that. And uh, the Liberty Bell was placed in the top of the brick portion. But uh, yeah, in 1828, uh, they, um, it's decided to uh, uh, build a, a new steeple. William Strickland, famous architect, designs it, builds it. Um, and now this, this steeple is the highest point in the city. So citizens of Philadelphia are going up in the tower to take in the city's views. And the way I like to think of it is you know, somebody, we don't know who it is, is going up that bell tower, passing the state house bell, and somebody says, hey, you know, this is bell rang in the Declaration of Independence. Um, and then, uh, you know, on closer inspection, they see the inscription on the bell. I don't know if you've ever talked about the inscription mm -mm. in any of your podcasts, but... Uh, it's inscribed with a Bible verse from Leviticus 25, verse 10. It says, proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. So sounds kind of prophetic, right? Proclaim liberty. So yeah. who knew in, in 1750s, this, this bell would be bringing in uh, liberty, right? Freedom, political freedom uh, for the colony. So um I think a lot of people took those two things and um, uh, it, the bell got a new name, uh, but not the Liberty Bell. Uh, folks are calling it the Independence Bell. Okay. Just a few years before they had started calling the State House Independence Hall. Uh, that was right around uh, the mid-1820s that that name is coined. And then... Uh, so yeah, it's it's the Independence Bell, and it's a tourist attraction. People are going up to see it, climbing up the, to that bell tower to see it. At one point, it got so popular, they had to start, um, you know, uh, giving people ticketed times to get up there. Um, how, how very COVID era of them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, now the the term Liberty Bell comes about later, um, and that name is coined by abolitionists. Uh, and we think it's about 1835, 
Um, of course, they're using the Declaration of Independence as their argument to abolish slavery. We're a nation founded on equality and freedom. And we all have these basic unalienable rights, uh, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And, and we're denying those to, and, you know, enslaving people and denying these rights to people. So they're using the Declaration. And here's the bell that rang in the Declaration. And then that Bible verse from Leviticus 25, abolitionists knew their Bible, um, refers to the Jubilee, uh, where every 50 years, the Jewish people would forgive debts, they would free slaves. Um, so you know, here's a, a, a bell that, that has a Bible verse that pertains to the freeing of slave. It rang in the declaration. They found their symbol. So they're really the first to use it as a symbol for a cause. Um, they write poems, songs about it. Uh, they have banners made. Every year they put out a book called The Liberty Bell uh, to help raise money for their, um, their cause. Um, so they're the first group to use it. Um, not the last. Uh, the, the women's rights movement uh, would use it. That They actually made their own bell called the Justice Bell, a replica of the Liberty Bell. Um, that was taken around Pennsylvania when they were trying to convince Pennsylvanians to support women's suffrage. Um, during World War One, World War II, the government is using it to bolster support for the war, selling these war bonds with pictures of the Liberty Bell on it. Um, uh, more protests going on around during Vietnam. There's both protests for and against Vietnam around, staged around the Liberty Bell. Um, uh, there, there's uh, sit-ins, civil rights. There's a sit-in around the civil, civil uh, bell uh, right around, um, I believe it was right around the, uh, uh, the, the violence in Montgomery um, during the Edmund, when they crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge. I think, I think that's it. I might have the timing wrong, but they, they, they staged a sit-in sure. around the bell. Um, and sometimes it, it can get pretty interesting. Um, in 2000, I witnessed two groups using the bell as a backdrop for their protest week long, uh, where they were outside the Liberty Bell Pavilion. Um, one side was a, a gun control group, and on the other side were, were the gun rights folks, both using, you know, both feel, feel that their liberties could be infringed on, and they're using the Liberty Bell. So wow. um, it can get kind of interesting, uh, but. Uh, it's it's a compelling symbol, really, um, yeah. and, um, uh, and and for since at least eighteen twenty eight, very important to a lot of folks. That's really incredible. I think you're right. I mean, the fact that so many different people with so many different views can look at it as a symbol and take something from it and really draw upon it as their inspiration is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so before we launch into our national treasure questions with you. Um, you know, you already made such a great plug for people to come out to the reenactment of the, the Declaration of Independence reading, but we do know that there's more to the uh, National Historical Park than just Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell. So just for our listeners' education, in case they'd like to pay the park a visit, what else can people see or do at Independence National Historical Park, for the record. Well, um, sure. Um, as long as um, um, 
Yeah, there's a lot to do. A little bit less now. Some buildings are closed because of COVID. Some of the, the spaces are too small to, um, to practice social distancing. But um, just um, on Independence Square, besides Independence Hall, are two other very historic buildings. Oh, excuse me. Um, there are two others uh, building Congress Hall, uh, which was a building that uh, originally built to be a courthouse for the county of Pennsylvania was used by the United States Congress during the 10 years that Philadelphia was the temporary capital of the United States. That was from 1790 to 1800 during the administrations of George Washington and John Adams. So uh, Philadelphia was the capital while the permanent capital was being prepared mm -hmm. along the banks of the Potomac. So mm -hmm. that's where Congress met. On the opposite corner is old City Hall, um, which uh, back then was City Hall for Philadelphia. Uh, and uh, the Supreme Court of the United States convened in there quite often when Philadelphia was the capital. So we interpret uh, the early Supreme Court uh, there. Uh, we also have the President's House site. Uh, so this is the site where George Washington and John Adams lived. Um, it, the house no longer stands, but we have um, a, an exhibit there. Um, uh, that focuses not just on the presidency, but also um, uh, a lot on the household of Washington um, and the enslaved servants who worked there. Uh, so we sort of explore, the exhibit explores sort of the paradox of, of the nation being found, founded you know, on the ideals of liberty uh, and equality while at the same time enslaving Africans. So mm -hmm. um, uh, that's a, uh, I think well worth a visit. Uh, there's the Second Bank Portrait Gallery uh, which uh, it's inside the old uh, the building of uh, the old uh, Second Bank in the United States. Uh, we have over 150 portraits of the founders, uh, many of them painted from life. Um, so uh, that's pretty neat to see. I, I guarantee if you've seen a, a portrait of a founder uh, in, in uh, a textbook or something, you'll probably find the portrait in that. Oh, <laughs> cool. Um, uh, the Franklin Court is another uh, must see. That's the site of where uh, Ben Franklin's home was. Um, so the, the courtyard where his house was has somewhat been restored. His house was torn down in uh, eight, 18, was it 11 or 12? I'm forgetting now, but uh, right around there. And um, uh, so uh, you can see where the house was. You can look down, to, so there was archeology span done. You can see uh, the basement of his house still there. Cool. There are little viewing areas to see that. And underneath all of that is a museum to Benjamin Franklin. So Philadelphia's you know, first citizen there, uh, Franklin. So that's at Franklin Court. There's the Franklin Court printing office where we demonstrate um, 18th century printing, oh, uh, which uh, very important to the revolution, wouldn't have had a revolution without a printing press. So for uh, sure. we. Uh, we interpret all of that there. That's a really neat site to see too. Um, we have uh, the house, uh, it's a reconstruction also on the site where Thomas Jefferson wrote the draft that would become the Declaration of Independence. Um, oh, wow. That's, uh, that's there. The West Wing, oh, of Independence Hall has original copies, printed copies of the Declaration of Independence, Articles of Confederation and Constitution. The, the copy of the declaration we have was the one used for the first reading, public reading on July 8th. 
Oh, oh my gosh. Really cool, a really cool thing and um, is the uh, the ink stand they used to sign the Constitution is in there too. You can, where they dip their pens to sign it. And it might've been used to sign the declaration too. Um, we can't really document that, but we know it was used to sign the Constitution. Um, wow. I, I got the, I had the honor of showing uh, Associate Justice Stephen Breyer that, that, um, that ink stand and the man got visibly excited to see it, which oh. I just blew me away because here's a guy you would think might kind of be jaded or, you know, might think, you know, he's, cause you know, he's a Supreme court justice, but right. to see him get excited about it really it was, satis- it was a satisfying feeling for me because, um, you know, to know that someone like that gets still gets excited about history. So it, it was, and, and yeah, that sort of thing. So, but wow. there's just a few things and I'm scratching the surface. There's a lot more to see and do. That's, um, awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I think it, this leads right into the next question that we have uh, starting to get international treasure do you, do you, have you seen National Treasure and how do you feel about the franchise? Because as Aubrey said, you definitely sound a lot like Benjamin Gates. <laughs> um, no one's ever told me that before. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh yeah. Um, yeah, I have seen it um, uh, a few times. I've seen the first one more than one. I don't know how many times maybe five times. My kids love the movie. Um, I've seen the second one once. Um, but uh, yeah, the first one I've seen a few times. Um, how do I feel about it? <laughs> uh, they're fun, fun movies. Uh, you know, good, good uh, adventure story uh, that, you know, I, I think what I like most about it is it, it, it uh, gets people interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the topics that we talk about. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's not a whole lot that's historically accurate. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that's okay. I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've come to be okay with that. <laughs> you know, so. it's so funny that you mentioned that because we're so excited to be able to dig into, you know, some of the aspects of the, the first film, particularly that are filmed or portray Independence Hall. Um, yeah. But as our listeners know, we've spent so much time in past episodes talking about different historical plot points that are referenced and what is true, what is false, what is based on reality, but not a an, an historical rendering of reality. And that's been really fun for us and really fun for, I think, our listeners based on the feedback yeah. we've gotten to do that digging. It's some, There's something about history. It's almost like I mean, pardon the pun, but almost a treasure hunt in and of itself, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, I also have to say that if your if your kids love the movies, then they have very good taste. If we do say <laughs> so ourselves. Okay. Um, okay. So since you've seen um, the first film, you will know, and we just like to give a little recap for our audience. Um, you know, one of National Treasure's key Philadelphia scenes involves Ben Gates, Nicolas Cage, and his crew ascending the bell tower that you've referenced um, in our historical recap portion of this episode. 
-hmm. of Independence Hall. And, and the characters end up seeing the shadow of the weather vane pointing to a particular brick in the building, which upon further inspection contains Benjamin Franklin's quote unquote ocular device. So the colored glasses that they then use to read the back of the declaration. Um, now we know, and we've talked in our show before about how parts of this scene were filmed at Knott's Berry Farm in California. Um, mm -hmm. I think in part because they didn't want people running across the roof of Independence Hall, which makes sense. Um, but we were wondering what you can tell us about the filming that did occur at Independence Hall itself. We are all ears. <laughs> sure. Well, first thing I'll tell you is they are running across the roof of Independence Hall. What? That's, really? Yeah. Yes, that is when he's on the roof of Independence Hall running from the bell tower to to the um, it's it's basically that's a chimney um, that he he's on the roof of, oh of the God. building itself. Yeah, we um, had no idea that like, my mind is blown. Yep. Um, the, the, the only as you say, it's Knott's Berry Farm was the stand in. It, it's the assembly room. Um, that is, um, you see, you know, when they're looking at the, the map, of course, no one would be allowed in there by themselves for as long as they were. That would never happen <laughs> in, in real life. But um, yeah, so it's it's when they're sort of on that first floor. And then when they're going up the staircase, that's also Knott's Berry Farm. But as soon as you see, I, I just watched the film recently to kind of refresh myself. Just, um, as soon as you see uh, the Abigail, I forget her last name, uh, character go past the clock, she's passing the actual clock. So they're in the bell tower um, and they go up the stairs. And when they get up onto um, uh, into the area where the centennial bell is, mm -hmm. Uh, that's actually Independence Hall, so they're up. Um, uh, he incorrectly says that the Centennial Bell replaced the Liberty Bell, uh, but it it actually replaced a bell called the Willbanks Bell. But nobody knows what the Willbanks Bell is, so you may as well just say Liberty Bell, I guess. I don't know. Um, um, but uh, yeah, and then uh, they're looking down on the roof, and then you see him running across. So that, that's. The, the, the hard and fast rule for the park is you cannot interfere with the visitor experience. Um, so that, that's a, it's not like we've never had movies shot in Independence Hall. We do. Usually they're documentaries, but um, that sort of thing. But um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of uh, what, what the rule is. Uh, when he is um, exiting the building, after he comes down, after they uh, they see the folks outside the window, that's him leaving the the Independence Hall, out the that south door, and then crossing the square. Um, I was looking at that today, thinking when did they film that? And uh, looking at where the sun is, it looks like they got there at the crack of dawn to film that before really? the park opened. Wow. That's my guess. I actually don't know because I did I saw none of that filming. Um, I have heard. Um, from uh, been talking to a couple rangers uh, that um, the the gentleman Frank, his name was, uh, who was worked for the Park Service, who was working the permit, they wanted to jump off the roof. Oh man! Um, they request, and he said no. 
You're not good, jumping good, off the roof. Good so, break. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so they work something else out. Uh, yeah, you see him running. I, I did see some of those scenes that get, they, those were filmed when he's running across the, the square and then he goes catacorner into another part of the park called Washington Square. Um, that was all filmed there. Uh, and then, of course, um, uh, yeah, the, oh, the, the chase scene. I saw them filming the chase scene where their uh, Abigail and Riley characters are running. That's in front of the Lafayette building, which is catacorner from old city hall. They're running the wrong direction though. They're running from fourth street toward fifth street. So, uh, and the, the bad guys are coming from fourth street. They wouldn't be coming from that. So if you know the area, <laughs> you know that, you know, isn't it? And then they turn right and then you see independence all behind them. And then they turn right again, head back toward 4th Street, and then all of a sudden they're at 12th Street, where Reading Terminal Market. Right, right. Within uh. So, yeah, it's, if you know the city, you know, and the movies do that kind of thing all the time. Oh, yeah. Classic, classic movie magic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the scenes inside uh, the yet-to-be-open Liberty Bell Center uh, were also filmed inside. Uh, they were just wrapping up construction, so they were allowed to go in there and film that scene. That actually leads me to one of the questions I was going to have later, but now seems like a great time to bring it up. Um, you know, we did read somewhere that uh, the Liberty Bell Center opened in October of 2003, I think. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you think of National Treasure coming out in 2004, they would have been filming really close to that opening, I would think, of the center. Um, and we actually really love the Liberty Bell Center scene because we think it's really characteristic of um, a motif, if you will, that's really used in this franchise where you need to establish the villain as just being a little bit behind Ben uh, Gates the entire time, just really not having the same grasp on history that Ben Gates has. And so in the first film, that happens at Liberty Bell Center when Ian, the villain, misinterprets the clue and thinks he needs to go to the Liberty Bell as opposed to where the Liberty Bell would have been housed at the time the clue was written. Um, so just because we love that scene so much, we were wondering how the construction of the center and its opening intersected with the filming yeah um so the filming's done in the summer um so uh you know they at least two months i don't remember exactly when the filming took place um but it was in the summer well before uh, the opening happened um so yeah it wasn't a problem of course that does mean that that's not the liberty bell um in the film I don't know if you've discussed that, but we have not. Okay. It's a styrofoam mock-up and it's a really, really good one. So Whoa. one, one of the, the big memory, one of the main memories that all the Rangers talk about is seeing people carrying the Liberty Bell around like four guys <laughs> could carry this styrofoam Liberty Bell. Um, and then, yeah, they, they uh, hung it on the stanchions that the, the real Liberty Bell would eventually hang. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, they, they were able to, to go and bring some actors in there that, that park ranger, you know, the park rangers are at there. First of all, their badges are 
cartoonishly large. It's, I don't know if they did that on purpose. Like, um, but, uh, and my uh, former colleague, um, she's now moved, she still works for the Park Service. Um, Nicole, she was sort of um, attached to the actress who was playing the ranger and gave her points on what to say. And oh, cool. uh, I remember saying, oh, wait, you keep telling her, you can't say that. You have to say it like this. And so she actually gave her point, pointers. She got pointers from a real park ranger on Neat. what to say. But yeah, that, so that's, that's how that all worked. Um, uh, yeah, they, their timing was, was good. But at that time, the Liberty Bell was in what, what was called the Liberty Bell Pavilion. Okay. which was built for the bicentennial uh, and sat closer to Market Street rather than Chestnut Street. Um, so okay. uh, the, the Liberty Bell, right? Liberty Bell is right now in its third home. Okay, got it. That, that makes sense. Um, you met, so you mentioned how the park ranger was able to give the actor park ranger points. Were there other ways in which park rangers or your colleagues or even you would have been involved in parts of the filming or informing people? Or are you all just kind of watching from a distance? Yeah, for us, it was another day at the office um, for the majority of us. We just, um, yep, we kept, uh, you know, doing the tours of Independence Hall and, and, talking about the Liberty Bell over at the pavilion and and uh yeah just it's like another day at the office except there's a bunch of cameras and people running around yeah <laughs> sounds exciting yeah and and uh, I do uh, I didn't see the the filming for the roof but I do remember someone saying the helicopter that was shooting him running across the roof was a little annoying um, <laughs> oh I can imagine yeah but um, I can't help but think that we've sort of broken some news here on this episode because if you we've spent a lot of time googling national treasure as you might imagine yeah um, and, and butter. just about <laughs> every article or behind the scenes something or IMDB or what have you about filming at Independence Hall says explicitly that his running across the roof was the reason they had to shoot at Knott's Berry Farm so I am I'm loving this. This is amazing. <laughs> so now I will say he he runs up to the brick and uh you know kind of looks I think I I don't know where yeah you know, what I have to imagine is the scene where he's looked the close up of the of the brick chimney area that they must have done a mock up somewhere on mm -hmm. a sound stage and then which of course would allow him to cut the brick yeah. out not um, gonna be doing that to the actual uh independence <laughs> hall no way <laughs> yeah well you wouldn't get out on the roof anyway there's no way a visitor could get up there um, i couldn't even get up there um i don't have a key to the tower so it's locked up tight and oh. there are alarms like galore uh, <laughs> you would have law enforcement rangers descending so quickly on anyone who tried <laughs> that's good to uh, know to do anything like so yeah, listeners, don't get any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So, you know, when he when he does run across and get this brick, which, like you said, we're assuming was not actually a brick he was pulling out of Independence Hall itself. Um, right. It actually has an etching of the Freemason symbol on it, which 
it makes sense for the movie given the centrality kind of of the Freemasons to the storyline. But I was wondering kind of what relationship, if any, do do the Freemasons have relating to the history of Independence Hall? Right. So I had to do a little research on it because I don't know a lot about uh, Freemasons. Um, a Freemasonry, but we do, thankfully, we do have a, a resident expert, Adam Duncan at the park, who is a, a Mason and he knows a lot of uh, this stuff. So I talked to him. Um, uh, so at least with the building, uh, he, he did tell me that, uh, so the, the Mason Lodge in Philadelphia at the time, which wasn't all that old, it had just been founded think it was 1730s it's founded i might have that wrong but um uh, saint john's lodge it was the masonic hall um and on their rosters are the names uh andrew hamilton no relation to alexander hamilton but uh andrew hamilton oversaw the construction of independence hall uh there's another name edmund woolley who uh on the roster edmund woolley was the master builder um are these the same Andrew Hamilton and Edmund Woolley? No, he, probably, but um, so that's the only, sort of, at least in terms of, of the building, any connection you might make to Freemasonry. Um, uh, of course, Franklin too, he was, he also belonged to St. John's Lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's got a connect, he, He's got a connection to the building, but not, not the building of it. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, the, there's some mention of the sign. Uh, I guess he, uh, what, what does he say in the film? Nine signers who are Masons? Does he say that number? He gives the number. Um, yeah, we do, we've actually researched this before. Something like that. It, it's a, Okay. Yeah. Well, if he does, I think he did say nine and, and he'd be right. Um, there are nine that they know were Masons. Um, Charles Carroll, uh, according to what I heard, Charles Carroll Carrollton was not one. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he uh, uh, and uh, it was yeah, a choice that he made following his faith as a Catholic. Catholics were for, they forbid their their uh, members to to join the the Masons. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, it's it's so and we did do an episode researching what we could about Freemasonry, right? I mean, it is somewhat secretive um, and we are not Masons ourselves. So we learned what we could. It was interesting, though. It was really interesting to, um, you know, compare its use in the film to what we could find about what it actually is. But in any case, I digress. I know you've mentioned now that, um, you know, other movies, documentaries you mentioned um, have filmed at Independence National Historical Park. Um, I'm wondering if there are, first off, any that we might have heard of that that you could mention. um, And regardless, you know, how did the on-site filming or production of National Treasure compare to these other projects? Um, mm. since I'd imagine, especially if you're comparing a, you know, blockbuster film to something like a documentary, I'd imagine that process is very different. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, there's, um, at least, you know, for a lot of documentaries, a lot of filming goes on, especially if it's going to be inside, it's either before the building opens or after. Um, I've seen there, there are some folks who have 
very large budgets can come in, um, not just at Independence Hall, but some of the other buildings. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I've got I've seen this on a, a few occasions where they light up the room and it's it's one o'clock in the morning, pitch black outside, but they've got these lights blow, blasting in the windows. It looks just like daylight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they have to do that because again, you can't film uh, during the, the day. Um, uh, or, you know, you can't interfere with visitor experience. Um, you know, the, there's been, um, the, the park's done its own films in there as well. Um, documentaries and the, and the like. Um, of course, you see it in cameos and in, in major motion. Rocky, you know, he runs past Independence Hall in that, you know, jogging scene. Uh, it's in trading places. Um, I don't know if you remember, you might be too young to remember that Tony Randall, uh, you, you know who he is? I don't know. <laughs> All right. He was in a show called The Odd Couple. So I'm, I am dating myself here. He had, after The Odd Couple, he had a sitcom called The Tony Randall Show, where he plays a, ju a Philadelphia judge. And the opening credits, he's walking past the Barry statue in the square. So that was there. Cool. But the the uh, the only other major motion picture I remember uh, is the, a movie called The Shooter, uh, starring Mark Wahlberg. Oh. And that, I, yeah, and that um, that was filmed. Not uh, there was a scene that was done across the street from Independence Hall. Okay. Um, and I don't remember much about the movie. I do remember the shooting uh, of the film. Um, where there's an actual shooting. So there's a crowd uh, and I, I can't remember the plot. They're probably. <laughs> that's uh, fair. Yeah, but anyway, that's the only other major, uh, other major film that I remember being filmed at, at Independence. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we can all agree other films are cool, but National Treasure is definitely the best one to have used independence hall <laughs> so I, I'm, I might agree with you in that and like the shooter never brought a single person to independence hall no one has ever come up oh was the shooter shot here you know with, right you know, um no that yeah. actually that perfectly leads me into my next question because i do do you think the the film increased public awareness or interest in Independence Hall or the Liberty Bell? And do you think this is because it was portrayed in kind of a favorable way or are, were people in the park not super pleased about the way it was portrayed? I know you said that you've come to kind of like accept yeah. over time the different yeah. things. Yeah, at first, yeah, we, yeah, they came to the park. They promised. They made all these promises. They did say it was going to be a fictional movie. Uh, that, but they would get the facts right. You know, where where they could get facts right, they get them right. Although, you know, the first time I'm watching it, you know, there's the Ben Gates character saying something like, um, "What? There's 55 signers. The Declaration of Independence." That's my Nick Cage. Love it. That was great. Thanks. <laughs> Um, there's 56. Sorry, he's wrong. <laughs> so, um, so no, you didn't get it all right. So yeah, we were kind of bothered by that, but, um, but no, um, uh, yeah, they, they get a lot wrong. 
very little. The plot can be backed up by any historical fact. If you know anything about the building, you know that whole clock thing is just impossible because the clock dates from 1828. Um, so, but, uh, but it does get people in the park. I, I think my colleagues would agree with me that for a good stretch there, we were getting a lot of visitors that came just for that. I actually got to do um, a tour for uh, Faith Hill and Tim McGraw and their kids. Oh, they wow. came, um, yeah, generally when celebrities come, they, they, um, they can disrupt things. So we try to, to um, those, they get a private tour, not because they're important or more, special. it's just that it's disrupt, disruptive. So to keep the, um, uh, you know, to keep things under control, we usually give folks like a, a private tour. So I was tapped to do this, this tour. And the reason they were there is because their 11 year old daughter was in love with national treasure. Uh, and, and actually the whole tour was just for her. She was the one who was all excited and super interested in, in being, in being there. Um, so, so yeah, without a doubt, that's why I've kind of come to, to, uh, to accept the film as being okay. Cause it's, it gets, gotten people and uh it's gotten people there so. yeah well you know having spoken with the some of the creators as we understand you know charles seegers um yeah, who I do. is a friend of the podcast um and and he really told from his perspective on one of our shows in the past how the film came to be and how it really is rooted at its basic core his disappointment when he was doing research at the archives at one point, the National Archives in Washington, D.C., how he was so disappointed how few people seemed to be interested in American history and our founding documents. And so yeah. he was really, um, we know, really excited to be able to get people excited about yeah. history. So it's, it's amazing to hear that that's happened for Independence Hall as well, since we know, having spoken to the archives folks, that the same was experience okay. there. Um, okay. I, I do have to ask really quickly, based on your experience or from talking to your, your colleagues, is there one question about national treasure that has been asked like the most or that you, I don't know, something that sticks out in your mind that visitors want to know? Well, it's often in the assembly room. They're like, was national treasure filmed in here? And we have to say no. Gotcha. <laughs> That's very far. So, you know, we say the, that, um, you know, the, 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 the scenes filmed in the tower and up on the roof were here, but not in, not in this room. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, okay. That's fair. Yeah. Um, as we start wrapping up, we do have just a couple more questions for you, but we always like to play a game with our guests, which is our speed round. Um, and so in this particular speed round, we would like to quickly run through a list of assumptions that a viewer might make about Independence National Historic Park based on what they've seen in National Treasure. And we're hoping you can tell us uh, whether they're true or false. So true or false. And then if you want, you can elaborate. If you don't want, then that's fine. Sound good? Okay. Okay. So, and some of these we will have touched on a little bit already, but that should make it even speedier. The first, the bricks of Independence Hall were laid by Freemasons. Uh, impossible to know. Got um, it. Can't say one way or another. Um, probably, I would guess not. I mean, because these are, these guys are laborers. They're, um, 
seems to me most Freemasons, and I'm again, I don't know. I'm just get Freemasons seem to be more the middling sort or the upper sort. Um, Got it. Uh, you know, the, the bricks are probably laid by both free and possibly even enslaved laborers. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Number two, Benjamin Franklin frequently visited Independence Hall. Absolutely true. Yeah. That guy was there all the time. He, uh, I alluded to it before, but his political career starts in the state house. He, well, for a time, was a clerk to the Pennsylvania Assembly. Hmm. Um, and then eventually um, served the assembly and in various ways. Um, and then, of course, as, as uh, a member of the Continental Congress and the Constitutional Convention. And then after, uh, during the Constitutional Convention, he is what's called the president of Pennsylvania. He's the governor. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's all over that place. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. The third, the assembly room of Independence Hall is also known as the signing room. I've never heard it be called that, except in the movie. Okay, that's um, very good to know. <laughs> um, number four, the last time the Declaration of Independence was in the assembly room was when it was being signed. Uh, false. So the last time that I know of, and I'm pretty sure, is uh, for the centennial in 1876 oh cool um, it was there on display actually here's an interesting the uh the declaration was uh in philadelphia for the centennial uh for a time in independence hall and then it was uh, uh read by i think it was the grandson of richard henry lee um cool uh and he read directly from the, i don't know how he could read it i mean maybe it was more legible than <laughs> But he's he supposed, supposedly read from the declaration. Um, yeah, the That's actual cool. signed one. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, number five. Visitors can take a guided or a self-guided tour of Independence Hall. Not a self-guided tour. Uh, only guided tours. Uh, no one's going to walk in like they're Benjamin Gates. Uh, <laughs> that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, tours are ticketed. Um, can only be obtained... Um, you, you can you get them on a, a website called recreation.gov. I if you're going to visit, check out the website and get get your tickets before. Uh, if you come day of, think you're going to get a ticket. Depending on the year, time of year. Actually, in in January, February, it, it's we line people up first come first serve. But the rest of the time, it's it's ticketed, and you need to make uh, a reservation. It'll also an eight hundred number you can call to. Awesome. That's great to know. We'll put that in our little notes because we're definitely going to come visit y'all at some point. Um, number six, I think we know the answer to this one, but again, for the record, visitors can ascend the Independence Hall bell tower. False, false, false. Darn. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not, it's not safe. Staff are even discouraged from going up there. Like I say, um, I don't have a key to get up there. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And last but not least, the Liberty Bell was decommissioned and moved to Liberty Bell Center because of its crack. Um, I would say overall false, um, at least the way you say it. I mean, I, first, I don't know that bells get decommissioned. I, I don't know. Um, but I mean, you know, normally when a bell gets an, a, a rep, an irreparable crack like, like the Liberty Bell has, um, 
you either scrap it or you melt it down and make another bell out of it. You don't keep it. Um, yeah, but by the, by the time the, the, the bell did crack and we think we don't know exactly when that happened, um, sometime around 1846, um, that's said in the, in the movie, um, um, in 1852, the bell is moved into the assembly room. Um, and it's there on display for a while, uh, for, um, for a time it's hanging from a chain, 13 link chain <clears throat> from the roof of the, the, uh, the, <clears throat> the bell tower there from the, uh, then it's, it's on, um, uh, it's on little, uh, display kind of cradle, uh, that's, that sits at the base of the belt. So it's in there until January 1st, 1976, it's moved to, um, and I was here to see it. I was nine years old and now you know how old I am, but um, my dad took a stand. My dad was like Bill Gates' dad. He was always like, oh, this is history. You'll never see the bell move. And he dragged us down to Independence Hall, midnight, January 1st, to watch the bell move from Independence Hall to the brand new Liberty Bell Pavilion, which That's was, awesome. as I said, closer to Market Street. And yeah, I remember him saying, you'll never see the Liberty Bell moved. He was wrong because I saw it get moved from the pavilion <laughs> over to, uh, uh, to the Liberty Bell Center. So, um, but no, it, the thing is, is that the story of uh, um, that, that whole crack, um, uh, it's because of the crack, it's still around, you know, it, it's, and the story isn't the crack. It's, it's because of its association with the, Declaration of Independence and the fact that um, so many revered as a symbol of, of our American ideals of liberty and equality um, that, that we still have it, so. Got it. Well, to, to round out the speed round before we get to our last question, I do wanna make sure I ask, is there anything that we haven't gotten to today that you would like to share or that you'd like to set the record straight on, especially with regards to the movie, because now's the time. Oh. Uh, oh, you know what? I think I saw really, I don't know if you guys ever caught on to this. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was an inventor, mm -hmm. right? He liked to tinker with things. So uh, one of the things he invented was a, a, a chair that could be turned into a ladder. And the last time I was watching um, National Treasure just the other day, that opening scene with the little kids up in the young Benjamin, he's, he's wants to reach this book and there's a chair and he opens it up. It turns into a letter. I don't know if they did that on purpose, but oh, here's this wow. Benjamin Franklin Gates using an, something that was invented by Benjamin Franklin. So I, Oh gosh. I thought that was pretty, pretty, I, again, don't know. Uh, if they did that, uh, if they knew what they were doing when they did that, but. Oh my gosh, I have chills. That's amazing. Yeah. We have never noticed that before. And now I'm absolutely going to go looking for it. <laughs> yeah. And you can right there in the beginning. And you can bet the next time we talk to the creators, we're going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm sure. Actually, I would too. Yeah. yeah. That's, that is so yeah. cool. Okay. So I'd like to know what they say. Yeah. Oh, we'll let you know. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, how about this? We'll let All you right. know when we come to visit you at the uh, okay. at the park and when we go in and take a tour of Independence. All right. 
So, okay. Um, so our last question for you today, just big picture, kind of parting thoughts. Um, from your perspective, what do you hope that viewers of National Treasure take away from the film regarding either Independence Hall or really American history as a whole? All right, so I don't think that uh, the, the film is really any place to have a takeaway about American history. Um, it, what it, what it, it's a vehicle for people getting interested uh, in the topic. That's kind of, for me, that's, that's what I hope they take away. I hope they don't take away that they can just go in and carve out bricks of, out of Independence Hall. I don't want that to <laughs> I want that to be the takeaway. But, uh, but uh, yeah, that what I, uh, I hope it does is it gets visitors interested in the, in the topic, wanting to come down to Independence Hall and find out uh, what the, what the real John is down there, as we say here in Philadelphia. I probably misused that slang term, but uh, that's, yeah, that's it. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. And, you know, we really, that's one of the reasons we have this podcast too, is to set the record straight, but then get people to ask more questions, which is why we're so excited anytime we have an opportunity to talk to folks like you, who not only have witnessed or been involved with the filming or other filming in some way, but you also have the historical background to, to speak to as well. So thank you again, Bill, so much for joining us today. We're so excited for our listeners to, uh, to learn a little bit from you. Yeah, my pleasure. We hope to see all of your visitors down there soon. Well then, I feel like we just learned some secrets. Some book of secrets i mean they could certainly go into a book about national treasure secrets (laughs) (laughs) i agree aubrey that was an absolutely wonderful interview and i had no idea that so much history outside of you know the declaration signing really happened at independence hall Yeah. And speaking of things that we learned, I think we learned a lot of new things about National Treasure and the filming that happened at Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell Center. Oh my gosh. This might be the smallest thing to anyone listening, but I I think I speak for the both of us, Em, when I say that learning that Nick Cage's scenes on the roof of Independence Hall were actually filmed at Independence Hall blew my mind. Like, I honestly can't wrap my head around it. And the real reason for that, I don't know if you feel similarly, but it's because everything that we've read online, all of the research that we've been doing for over a year now, every article about production says that the reason they filmed at Knott's Berry Farm for some of these scenes was because they wouldn't let him stand on the roof. But he not only stood on the roof, he ran across the roof. And he wanted to jump off of it. Well, the yes. production, production <laughs> wanted him to jump off of it. <laughs> I'm sure Nick Cage would have been up for it. Oh, Speaking yeah. of production, you know that Liberty Bell that Bill was talking about that was made of foam uh-huh. and wasn't the real thing? What do you think happened to that? Because if we could get our hands on that thing... 
if we could get, oh my gosh, I am right there with you. I really hope that it's just like in a prop warehouse somewhere and that it wasn't like disposed of because this is true cinematic history, <laughs> I think. But also, also not to be full circle or anything, absolutely to be full circle. This is the type of thing I want in my National Treasure Backlot Tour and or Disney ride. Mm, there we go. We could have that fake independent. They don't even have to make a new Liberty Bell. We could have the fake Liberty Bell right there and people would think it was the real one. We could have like a little side quest where we like follow the wrong clue and go see the Liberty Bell because we're dumb like Ian. Yeah, it could be like a dueling dragons ride. You know, one one dragon is Ben and his route and the other one is Ian and they both go on different tracks and end up at the same place. Oh, mm. why aren't we ride designers? I, I don't know. Because we don't <laughs> have, because we have PhDs in science. That's why. <laughs> I mean, engineering and science are very related. So anyway, we just have to thank Bill one more time for joining us on this episode and providing such amazing insight. And hopefully he got all of you excited to visit Independence National Historical Park, because I know that we are. Mm -hmm. We're definitely going to be checking that out very soon. Absolutely. So with that, everyone, just a quick reminder that this has been the final episode of National Treasure Hunt Season 3. But don't worry, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> we started this episode talking about how we weren't sure how we'd get through three seasons, but good news, season four of National Treasure Hunt will premiere in January 2022, and we have so much more to come. We have pop culture comparisons and historical deep dives and other new perspectives and angles to explore about our favorite films. We also have a lot to come on social media in our off season between now and when season four arrives. So you're going to want to be following us. And Emily, want to do the honors one more time for this season? If you are not somehow already following us, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. You can find us to listen to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Good Pods. Please go ahead, like, subscribe, rate, review, do whatever you can on those various platforms. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you're excited for in season four. And please engage with us during this off season as we post some exclusive cool stuff that is coming up, including a potential bonus episode or two. What? And you know, we're always sharing news about the National Treasure franchise. That's kind of our specialty. So you don't want to miss out. We'll see you on social media and we'll see you in season four. But until then, I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our National Treasure Hunt.